Welcome to the Functional Breeding Podcast. I'm Jessica Heckman, and I'm here interviewing folks about how to breed dogs for function and for health, behavioral and physical. This podcast is brought to you by the Functional Dog Collaborative, an organization founded to support the ethical breeding of healthy, behaviorally sound dogs. The FDC's goals include providing educational, social, and technical resources to breeders of both purebred and mixed breed dogs. You can find out more at functionalbreeding.org or at the Functional Breeding Facebook group, which we work hard to keep friendly and inclusive. I hope you have fun and learn something. Hi, friends. This episode, G. Cosa is interviewing me, Jessica Heckman, DVM PhD. I'm a veterinarian turned behavioral geneticist turned teacher and founder of the Functional Dog Collaborative, or FDC. I graduated from Tufts Veterinary School in 2012 with a dual veterinarian master's degree. The master's was on stress and hospitalized dogs. I completed a veterinary shelter medicine specialty internship at Maddie's Shelter Medicine Program at the University of Florida. I completed a PhD in genetics, genomics, and biomedical sciences in Kukekova Lab at the University of Illinois, studying genetic differences in the stress system in two lines of foxes, one bred to be less afraid of humans and the other bred to be aggressive. I did postdoctoral work at the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard, and now teach online for Virginia Tech and run the FDC. G asked me to talk about the FDC, how it's coming, what we're doing, and what we need help with. So here it is. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. And today we're going to talk about what's going on with the FDC. But first, I want to know um, if you tell me a little bit about the dogs you live with. Yeah, so I live with three my oldest child is Jenny, that's short for Guinevere. Um, she is a princess. She is a mixy mix who I got from a shelter when she was about 13 months old and she was quite unsocialized. Um, so she was a big project, but she's, after living with me for 13 years, she's doing a lot better and able to make human friends who aren't me now, which is really nice. My middle child is Dashiell. He is an English Shepherd from a excellent breeder um, who I bought as a nine-week-old puppy, and he is a super handsome, lovely boy who, when I can walk, which is those of you who know me know that right now I'm having some trouble with, um, Dash and I would do nose work and rally together. Um, and then my youngest is Fitz, also known as Fitzel. Um, he is a Border Collie that I got as an almost two-year-old from a New England shelter, and um he was a, I was about to say a bit of a hot mess. I would say he was a massive hot mess when I got him. And we've had him for three years now. And he has been a, a huge project and is starting to get to a place where he is learning how to be a dog and operate like a dog in the dog world. And recently has been able to go to agility class with me, which has been fabulous. I don't know if we'll ever compete, but he loves going to class. So that is great. And that was that was a huge project even to get him there, and I'm, it's uh, it was a massive success. So, so those that's are my fa- kids. That's fabulous. I love I love how much you're you're working with them and helping them. That's fantastic. Um, so, do you want to talk about um, let's see about the database first? I understand that you've got a, a new database project going on. Yeah, it's really exciting actually. It's um so I when I very first founded the FDC, I thought of it as having three three big arms, one sort of building community, one um, 
providing educational opportunities for breeders and then one providing technical support. And what I had imagined was that it would be, there'd be a pedigree database and it would be where you would record health testing and behavioral stuff. And uh, it was obvious to me that this was a critical part of the whole project because there's such a need for a place to put information about you know, dogs that aren't necessarily from a particular breed or that are outbred or outcrossed or crossbreeds, but also a place where you could put health information where you could really trust that um, all the information is there and that things aren't withheld. And not to throw shade on some of the really excellent existing breed databases that are out there, but um, it's really hard sometimes for breeders to sort of to brave the world and put the the negative health test results out there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's that's a, a bit of a social change as well, which we can we can talk about as we talk about some of the other FTC projects. But so I've I've literally spent years looking for the right partner to build this. Um, Brian Batchelder, who's one of our board members, was interested. Uh, he was uh, building a similar project, and we sucked him in for that reason to the board. Uh, but it's way too big a project for one person. And so we were looking for collaborators and we looked at health insurance companies and we looked at startups and nobody was doing really the thing that we wanted. Nobody had the same goals and the same vision until I met Nina Ohala, who lives in Finland and had built something called the Finnish Dog Registry, which um, she actually reached out to me saying that she had was on the Facebook group and interested in the FTC and interested in talking to me about her database. And I pretty quickly saw that she had almost exactly the same vision as Brian and I had. And so uh, we've been talking with Nina a lot over the last few months. Her platform is now called Data Canis, which I love that name. Um, And... We are actually currently paying her so that she can take some of the time off of her full-time job. She was basically developing this thing in her free time and it was killing her. So she's having now a couple days a week to devote to this and then have some time to do things like sleep and have... She told me recently, I get to have a weekend now. And I was like, well, thank God, everyone should have that. So um, Data Canis is really exciting. We can... I can share the link so people can can see it. And that is something that we're figuring out how to go forward exactly with the FDC. And as you know, G, we've been talking with, um, we've been trying to figure out like who's who's the first group we're thinking the way to, to move forward rather than just sort of opening it up to everybody would be to work with a specific group. And so we are um, in talks right now. It's not clear uh, which direction it's going to go, but I'm very hopeful with a large group. They have 40,000 dogs or so in their current database. They might be interested in switching over to this one. I think we have really similar goals and they have complex data needs that I'd be really excited to to be able to work towards trying to solve. So that that has been a long road and this week I'm feeling super hopeful about it. So, so tell me about the you mentioned the complex data needs. Tell me how this is going to be different than a typical pedigree database. So we're definitely looking at, um, well, it already does accept health and genetic testing information. One of the things that we feel really strongly about 
is that the data needs to be verified, um, which is something that the group that we're working with also feels strongly about. So there, um, you know, we wouldn't accept information about health testing or genetic testing without proof that it that that was that the test had been done on that dog and that was that was what the test said. Where we really want to build it to keeping close contact with the breeders and the puppy owners to build a sense of community and of building up this really rich data source. So there's um there's just, there's a lot of additional functionality that we're that we're looking to build in. And I don't want to go into too much detail right now because I am hoping to have an entire podcast episode fairly soon in which we dig in, or possibly I'll release it before this one, but at the time of recording, I haven't haven't done it yet, in which we dig into sort of all the juicy details about what this thing will be. Fabulous. I'm very excited about the database. I've, I've gotten a peek at it, and I, I think it's got an amazing amount of promise. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely very early yet, so I think it's easy to point to other existing products and say, well, this does more at this time, and mm-hmm. that's true. But what this one does um, is that we're really trying to build a, a community of people who are breeding dogs in the, the way that, that we encourage, um, and to have a, a bunch of different groups coming together and, and using it together, um, using it to find each other, right? Not not having it be completely segregated into separate groups, but being able to search each other's databases and and interact. And um, yeah, so I think the community aspect of it is one of the most important parts. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Speaking of community, I know that you're doing some uh, social media work as well. What's going on with that? Yeah, so we have started two new social media feeds. They're they're pretty young, but there's some good stuff on them already. So the first one is Instagram. And we actually got a small grant to cover hiring a project manager to make that happen because my hands were completely full. Um, I am using all my spoons, as they say. And then uh, around the time, I, you know, shortly into the Instagram account having started up, I was approached by a volunteer who is interested in running a TikTok account, and she has been so far taking clips from podcast episodes and turning them into TikTok reels, which is fabulous. Mm. So and the, the Instagram account is very exciting, too. So for, for both of those, what we're trying to do is address... One of the, let me take a step back. So one of the goals of the Functional Dog Collaborative is to build this new culture around how we breed dogs and what we think I, I hesitate even to use the words ethical or responsible because those words have become so tied into a particular form of dog breeding and um not and, and sometimes um I think we sort of need to to look at it and be like, well what do we what do we actually mean by that? And, you know, do you actually know an ethical, responsible dog breeder when you see one? And and recognizing that the it's it's hard. It's not a black and white, like not everyone fits into these categories as perfectly as, as we'd really like them to. Because as humans, we really want to put things into categories. So we're trying to have these social feed, social media feeds that are going to start talking about different ways of breeding dogs um, and normalizing some things like crossbreeding, like talking about breeding doodles and addressing the 
groups of people who feel that breeding doodles is inherently unethical or breeding any crossbred dog is inherently unethical and talking about, you know, it's not about the cross. It's about the thoughtfulness of the breeding and, you know, do you do the health testing and are the parents in really good welfare and in people's homes and are the puppies carefully socialized and carefully placed? And those are all the important things to look at and not, you know, are they both registered of the same breed? Um, talking about outcrosses, um, and then also talking about the the importance of breeders to the world. Um, so the other the other group that we want to really engage with is the group of people who feel that adopt don't shop um, is an ideology that means that breeders shouldn't be supported and shouldn't be respected. And we want to talk about the importance of producing healthy dogs who are behaviorally appropriate for their environments and how that is something that is very helpful in a very sort of proactive long-term way to keeping dogs out of shelters. We would love to see every dog in the world bred by somebody who is willing to take that dog back at any time for any reason, which is one of the things, one of the hallmarks of a, of a truly responsible breeder. And, you know, I don't know what percentage of dogs come from an environment like that right now in the United States. I'm going to guess way fewer than 20%, if that. Uh, but no one knows because there aren't surveys out there asking these kinds of questions. But what if it were 80 or 90%? How many dogs would you see in shelters then? And the dogs that came into shelters, if they had been carefully bred and carefully socialized to be behaviorally appropriate as companions, you know, would they be much easier for shelters to place? So sort of engaging with that group to say, you know, working with breeders to help them produce dogs that make really good pets and really healthy pets is is part of animal welfare and is helping address um, the problems with, with emptying out shelters and with, with getting dogs home. So all of that, those are those are all things that the two social media feeds are are addressing. And again, they're new, so go follow them and put nice comments on them. Tell your friends to follow them. That's yeah. super helpful. Comments, if you want to help the FDC, I'm just going to kind of plug this right here. If you want to help the FDC, go to social media and comment and like and share because that really does help the accounts. It does. I haven't I haven't been really active about advertising those two accounts yet because I was waiting until they got on their feet and they had a couple of posts up. But I think the the time is now and they have enough posts up and it's time to start telling people about them and getting more followers. So and the, the posts are good as well. They're they're high quality and they're good information. They are the Instagram posts too. I'm I'm so impressed with the team that has done such a great job of designing them and working through the content on them. It's a whole team, so it's not just one person doing it. Uh, we have this whole pipeline that we developed where some people are working, you know, there's one person worked on the templates and some people work on the general ideas and some people flesh those out into the actual content and um, other people figure out, you know, what time is the best to post for the best viewing and, you know, what hashtags we should use. So there's, there's a lot of people coming at it from a lot of different directions. Um, and I know we're also going to talk about volunteering for the FDC later, but let me just say, that there's definitely room for more help on that team. And so if you wanted to dive into something like that, definitely get in touch because there's there's definitely room for more people. Awesome. And then also on the, the subject of community, there's going to be an in-person event. Is that correct? 
Yeah, you say it so confidently. (laughs) (laughs) So we haven't had an in-person event yet. That was part of my initial dream. Um, And, you know, it seems so far off at the time I conceived of the FDC in March of 2020. And so it was very easy to say someday we'll we'll get together. But we are planning for an in-person conference in 2024. We, I think, uh, and G, you're on the the committee for that. So we've been meeting and talking about it. And I think the next thing that we were going to talk about was was starting to to tack down sort of the part of the country and the time that we would have it. But as people on the Facebook group know, we've gone there to brainstorm for ideas. We have a great potential list of speakers now, and we're going to start reaching out to them as soon as we know uh, what sort of when and where we're going to say to them. So, and we, one of the things that we wanted to figure out was, was who's our audience? Is it brand new breeders? Is it experienced breeders? Is it people who are dog nerds and are really interested in where dogs come from? So those are, those are the three biggest audiences that we identified. And so we're going to try to have something for everyone there. I am looking forward to that. I can't wait to see what, uh, what we end up doing. Yeah, it's. I just love the idea of having everybody get together. Uh, we yeah. also really want to have a component of people trying to figure out the way forward with, you know, what are what are some problems that we're seeing in the community? What are some solutions that we can come up with? So I personally am pushing a lot for like having panels and having a lot of Q&A and a lot of chances for people to come together and, and talk and and make plans and strategize and not not just sitting there being lectured at, although also having some some good evidence based content and experience based content, and the opportunity to network with like minded people. Yes, definitely, for sure. So um, FDC is also run by a board. Is that right? And can you yes. tell me about who is on the board and what they're doing? Yes, our fabulous board, who very much give me free reign, which I massively appreciate. Um, so it's, so we are a 501c3 organization. Um, so we are an officially a nonprofit and we have a board with regular meetings and the board is there to make sure I do not run amok and do crazy things. Would I ever do crazy things? I would not. Um, the whole thing is crazy, G. I, I, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> well, good kind of crazy. Yeah. But you're, so, you're so- things for sure yeah um so who do we have we have trish mcmillan who is a very well-known uh behavior consultant and she has been fabulous uh i mean at a lot of things but also at helping us structure our our outreach to shelters and to the animal welfare community um another person from the animal welfare side is joyce briggs who is also the president of ACCND. Let's make sure I can get it right. The Alliance for Contraception in Cats and Dogs. So she was, so that company, that company, that group, that nonprofit has been working to develop essentially a space shot, the idea that you would give a dog or a cat a single injection and it would sterilize them for life. Um, So she is also a board member and her expertise and her knowledge of the animal welfare community has been super valuable. She's also our our data person that we go to when we want to ask about statistics about, you know, how many how many dogs are born in the United States, how many puppies are needed to replace those dogs, all 
all that kind of thing. Uh, we have Brian Batchelder, who I mentioned before. He is a breeder himself, both of purebreds and crossbreds. He is a um, computer programmer in his day job, and so his technical expertise has been invaluable. He is also, gosh, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to say he's one of the founders of, perhaps the founder of Updog, which is a dog sports venue um, working with, uh, where they they do cool things with Frisbees. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> um, who am I missing? And then Sarah Rishi, who is a dog trainer. She runs a large training group in um, Minnesota in the Twin Cities area. So they have, I believe they have three, um, three sites now, but that may have expanded since then. And she does a lot of dog trainer education. So she does webinars and in-person conferences and stuff, um, uh, organizes those things is what I'm trying to say. Um, so that was, I, I wanted to pull her in for that, to have her expertise in things like the conference, which she's been helping us figure out. That's, that is everybody in that group. That's an awesome group. And I forgot, yeah. I forgot to mention this when we were talking about social media, but the Facebook group is doing really well, isn't it? Yeah, it is right. I should have brought that up. Yeah, uh, we passed 11,000 people recently, which blows my mind because um, I remember when it started as a group of, you know, a couple dozen and we were all just sort of brainstorming about what we referred to as the thing. Um, <laughs> and now it's 11,000 and people, you know, when I went, I went on the, I went to this conference in Norway recently and people there had heard of us uh, and they were like, oh yeah, I was just, I was just listening to your podcast recently or I'm on your Facebook group and I just find it mind-blowing that... That's fantastic. It's that's a thing that's heard of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about Norway. Norway was great. So it was the Norwegian Society for Protection of Animals that put it together. Um, and it was a conference about breeding for the future. And I've been, I've been writing some blog posts to summarize it. And I, I have, for those who have been enjoying those, I have not forgotten about them. Um, they are still on my to-do list. My to-do list is just terrifying. And I was just complaining to G recently how the upcoming, I have a two knee replacements coming up. And the prep for that strangely eats all your time. There's all these doctor's appointments and stuff. So it's just been hard to to get the time for all this stuff. But I am still blogging about that. So there will be more details. Um, it was very animal welfare based. So I hadn't realized when I, when I planned to go over that... Um, I was I was pretty much the main representative speaking from the breeder's perspective there. Ironic, as I am not actually a breeder. Um, but I felt that it was important for FTC to be there bringing the message of, you know, let's not tell breeders what not to do. Um, so if we're focusing on some of the problems with brachycephaly, uh, which was a very big topic there, rather than saying something like it's, you know, we shouldn't be breeding brachycephalic dogs, start talking about, well, how can we um, identify, you know, how, you know, what is an appropriate amount of muzzle for a dog? Can a dog have a shortened muzzle and still have really good quality of life? How can we help talk with breeders about what what to do? Um, how can we support outcross efforts? Um, things like that. So I, have and it was, it was great. I got Although I haven't actually interviewed any of these people for the podcast yet, I have this massive list of people who are going to be fantastic podcast guests. 
and um, I've been blogging about it and made a bunch of new contacts with academics and people in animal welfare. And it was it was good all around. It was good. And where can people find your blog? Uh, if you go to functionalbreeding.org, that is where it is. Um, the blog posts are showing up on the front page right now. And it's <laughs> going to be the easiest way for you to find it. And you also have article summaries up there? Yeah. So, and I've actually um, just recently had someone uh, give a new design for the website front page, which I think is going to help people find things a lot better. And I don't know if that design will, it's design is ready. I have handed it off to our website volunteer to implement, but as people are volunteers, um, I never know exactly how long it's going to take them to find the time to do things. So I don't know if I'm talking about the old or the new website. Um, you know, what What will it be when this actually goes live? Who knows? So I'll talk about the old one because that's what's up there right now. Um, yeah, so we have, so there's a bunch of stuff on the website. Um, and if you, if you scroll down a bit, everything is, there's all the sort of recent posts are in a jumble at the bottom. So there's the posts that I've been doing about the conference. There's when people do article summaries, which is what you just asked about. So those are when um, we have a bunch of volunteers who have academic expertise and we go out and find academic peer-reviewed articles that are relevant to dog breeding. Some of them are you know, more practical, some of them are more theoretical and the volunteer will read them. We have a template for them to use to summarize. So they put it into lay language and then they also have sort of one or two sentence summary at the bottom saying, this is what you should be taking away from this article. Um, so just as an attempt to, to give people better access to that kind of information, because reading those articles can be quite challenging for people without an academic background. So those are up there as well. Um, if you go under the, the education link, it'll go to like the, the library or the article library, and that would give you the full list. We also have position statements. So those are in there too. Um, talking about things like our, you know, support for outcrossing and sort of when that's, when that's appropriate support for, um, sort of how we, how we approach the idea of, of when it is appropriate to have dogs in kennels and not. And so our idea that breeding dogs really should be, um, for the most part dogs in the home and that kennels are tools that can be used appropriately, but that the dog needs to have a large proportion of its day out of the kennel and really should be um, a dog in the home if it's, you know, for companion dogs particularly. Um, and other other position statements like that. I think we have five or six position statements at this point. You and I were just talking about writing a new one on bullying, which we I think were. is a great idea. And then you have the breeder curriculum up there as well. That's not that important though, is it, Chi? What? <laughs> Uh, it is if you're a breeder. <laughs> so we had, um, again, the breeder curriculum and having breeder education was one of the main things that I really wanted to have. When we initially started out and I had this idea that we would really crowdsource it and we did manage to crowdsource um, an outline of what it would be, which I still feel really good about. I think that outline is a really good description of what kinds of things it should be your goal to to know and understand if you want to be a, a really top-notch breeder. But finding people to, so then my idea was people would go find resources. I would have volunteers to go find resources for each of those topics. And if there weren't resources online to, to write a resource, 
Um, and that had been progressing sort of slowly. And then at some point I realized that Midwifery, uh, which is a, an educational platform run by G, has a large percentage of the information that we want to provide. And so G was happy to have Midwifery become our core curriculum. So our, our, our list now points out in a lot of places to midwifery. And I know, G, you were saying that you were hoping to fill in some of the other stuff too that, that yeah, we had I, suggested. I remember when I saw your curriculum list up there, I thought that it was wonderfully comprehensive and really well thought out and that um, I couldn't possibly have filled in all of the information on there, but there are some definite things where I can help. So I'm going to try to, to do that. And you're going to be putting some courses up as well, aren't you? I am. That will help fill it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about being able to put some of my courses up through Midwifery. I think that's going to be a great way to get them out there to this community because they're not always available <laughs> otherwise. And we're also talking about bringing in some other speakers to cover <laughs> some of the material that you and I don't know about. And, and so. that will help support the FTC as well. Yes, it will. Because it is a volunteer nonprofit, so that's that's good for people to know. Um, yeah. And then, in addition to all of that, in terms of content, you're also working on a book project. You say that as though you hadn't heard about it. <laughs> G and I are working on a book project together. <laughs> I came up with the harebrained idea, and Jessica, of course, went along with it, which is absolutely fabulous. And we've been having a great time brainstorming and coming up with ideas about it. I mean, the, from my perspective, I had this book in me that I had been wanting to write for a couple of years, and it was laughable to think about me having the time to do it. Um, so I just, I didn't even intend to start. <laughs> it's like, there's no way I'm going to find the time to sit down and do this. And so then G said, do you want to write a book together? And I was like, well, yeah, but I don't have time. And she was like, well, I'll project manage you. And, you know, we can do most of it on phone calls and stuff. And I was like, done. That sounds <laughs> ideal. Yeah, and, and the point is to, to help change the narrative about dog breeding um, and to talk about problems and solutions. And like you mentioned earlier, not really not what not to do, but things that people can do. And it's yeah. not just dog breeders, but the general public. Yeah, that's right. On our last call, we were really hardcore brainstorming about things that people could do. And, you know, depending <laughs> on what part of dogdom you're in, what are things that you could do? Um Starting as simply as just on social media, standing up and 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 being there when you see someone else being bullied, just standing up and saying like, "Hey, that's not okay," or "Hey, they're they're not doing that bad a job actually." Um, so, or even just you know, I think a lot of people that well, I I don't want to get on this as a main topic, but a lot of people on social media that bully don't really see themselves as bullying. So mm. even pointing that out, I think, might be helpful. Yeah. So. Um, to totally change topics, um, but I don't want to forget this. There's the Co-Pilot Breeding Cooperative as well. That's that's yes, yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's it's all well and good to say that it would be nice if people were out there breeding dogs with really the primary goal of the dog being a really good companion dog and prioritizing health and prioritizing behavior and having lots of people out there as a as a go-to place for people to go to get dogs that are going to do really well in their homes. It's easy to say that, uh, but I really wanted to find a way to support people actually doing that. And I was really lucky to find Laura Sharkey and Carolyn Kelly, who were both interested in doing 
that thing pretty much exactly. Um, they've both been breeding for uh, a while now. Um, Laura particularly had a lot of experience in fostering puppies for a shelter before starting to think about, um, you know, she'd been seeing a lot of behaviorally challenged dogs out there. She's a, a dog trainer by profession and started thinking about what can I, what can I do to help? Um, and they, um, they have pulled together a group of like-minded breeders. They have written, um, a series of guidelines or rules of sort of saying like, these are the kinds of dogs that we're going to breed. And so it's less of a, you know, breed standard approach of the dog has to, you know, look like this and more of a, there needs to be this much health testing and the results have to fall within these boundaries and things like that. Um, I know they worked really hard to put that together in a way that was both responsible with an eye towards animal welfare, but also flexible and reasonable with an understanding that breeding is complex. And sometimes you may want to breed a dog who is not ideal in one area, but really ideal in other areas, um, while making a good match to someone who, you know, fills in those, those deficiencies. So, um, yeah, so they have a really nice group of breeders. There are several, there have been several litters already on the ground. Um, it's still a smaller group than I would like it to be and then they would like it to be. So I think, um, I'm hoping that one of the things this podcast episode will do is to try to get the word out there that if you are um, someone who is interested in, in joining a breeding cooperative that this is something you should look into. And what would be the advantage? Why why would a breeder want to do this? And 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 what would be the advantage for them? Yeah. So great question. I think one of the main things that the FDC really wants to provide is is community and people who have your back. And that's so that's what this would be at on a more personal scale. So it's it's breeders with similar goals, and you know one of the one of the obvious things, I mean, it's based on the idea of a breeding cooperative that like the working dog groups have, and those are very much for exchanging stock. So one, one of the most powerful ways it could be helpful is to say, you know, you'd be able to go to the cooperative and say, I am looking for a new male for my breeding program. And someone else could say, well, I have a litter of puppies on the ground and one of the males is really nice. And you would know that they were people who were breeding with similar goals to you. And you'd be very comfortable with talking to them about, you know, what it would look like to get their mail into your program. So that would be one of the, the main benefits to it is, is looking at it as a larger population of dogs than just your population. Um, of course, there's also the, the smaller little bits of community of, Having a group of like-minded breeders to reach out to when you're trying to figure out, you know, oh, I'm trying to decide between these possible these possible studs, and I can't figure out, you know, whether I should go with this one with the better hips or that one with the better personality. And you know, can you help me figure out what would you do? Um, so, or um, I think, gosh, I'm going to get this wrong, but I feel like Carolyn told me a story recently where she was like, oh, we haven't been doing all that much with the cooperative recently because there was this litter on the ground and, you know, one of them needed help. And so someone, you know, took some of the extra puppies. Um, I don't remember the details. And I was like, that is, that is the cooperative. <laughs> that is what it's supposed to do. 
having people huge. right there to help you. That's huge because as breeders, yeah. you know, we're we're so isolated sometimes, and just generally um, deal with uh, st- being stigmatized um, by other people and and being afraid to talk in certain circles. So I think it's just fabulous to to have access to a a safe and knowledgeable community like that. Yeah. So, yeah, and so and so to be clear, it is uh, most of the breeders in there are breeding mixed breed dogs, I think, but um, there's purebreds are welcome as well, um, and there's there's multi gen mixes, there's F one mixes. Um, so, and yeah. how would how would somebody get some more information? Yeah, so there's um, there's a link on the on again on functionalbreeding.org. So, and I will put the direct link in the show notes. But um, just for me to say it now, you would go to functionalbreeding.org, go to the menu, and choose the breeding cooperative section of the menu, and it would have a link to the co-pilot breeding cooperative there. But um, I will put the direct link in the show notes if that's easier for people. And so, you know, everything we've talked about, is it's a huge undertaking. If you look at even one piece of this, it's a lot, and all of it together is is a massive project. So how are you funding all of this? That has been another thing that I've been really struggling with for the last few years. Um, either luckily or unluckily, I am only employed 10 hours a week right now. Um, so the rest of my time, I'm able to mostly spend the rest of my time on the FTC. Sometimes um, some other hours I, I also spend on sort of alternative money-making schemes um, to make sure that I can pay my mortgage. But... Um, but I'm doing. Uh, I'm putting a lot of hours on the FTC, and we have a lot of fabulous volunteers. Um, pretty much all of them unpaid. As I said, we had one small grant um, to pay one person. Uh, we are paying Nina to do some programming, and we had enough money to do that just for a couple of months, not for as long as I would like. And that is very much based on the kindness of previous donors. So if you have given to us before, um, you should recognize that it's because of you and others like you that are the reason I was able to say, Nina, I can see that you're killing yourself and that this project is not going to get done in the time that we need it to get done. So I need you. I, I did have the resources to help her out. Um, we agreed on a three-month contract, at which point I am really hopeful that we'll be able to raise more money to keep going with that. Um, but it's been hard. I, I started out really looking for a major donor. And... Um, reaching out to a lot of animal welfare organizations because I very much see the Functional Dog Collaborative as an animal welfare organization. The, 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 our essential goal is to improve welfare for, for dogs. And because of my particular perspective um, as someone who learned about genetics and learned the genetics of behavior and learned about the importance of genetics, but also the importance of very early life, to how those genetics cause the personality to form, you know, I came away from that perspective saying, if I want to help dog welfare, there, there really needs to be a group that's that's doing it, um, you know, working with with breeders and with dogs at the moment, you know, before they before they are conceived and and right after they hit the ground. And then I feel like that's that's something that the animal welfare community is not currently set up to support and. You know, there there are some groups out there that are providing to su- support to, for example, Candace Crony's really excellent project, um, uh, Canine Care Certified, 
I'm not remembering the exact title of that one, um, but it's it's a it's a really good project. But that's for large scale breeders, right? Yes, but that's for large scale breeders. So looking at the smaller scale breeders, um, you know, I think, I, and I've been told by a lot by a number of the animal welfare groups that I've reached out to that they're uncomfortable working with us because we support breeders specifically, and animal welfare has traditionally, at least in this country, very much been about supporting shelters and seeing that supporting shelters is antithetical to supporting breeders. And I don't agree with that. I think both are important. You should do both. Um, I think just because you support dogs very, very early on in their life does not mean that there should be any less support for them when they are in a shelter and needing support. That's, I mean, I did a shelter medicine internship. I am passionate about shelter medicine and about the support of shelter dogs. Two of my dogs are from shelters. Um, I am not in any way saying we should do less of that, but I do believe that if we do more of helping dogs very, very early on, really proactively, preventatively, um, that that can do a lot to help shelter dogs as well. And I, I said some of this to you earlier, right? Um, but that has made it challenging to find the kind of funding that I've been looking for. And so right now, what I'm hoping to do is to just sort of make it happen in a more grassroots kind of way. So, you know, though, though one of my big hopes, obviously, is that we're going to find groups who are interested in working with Data Canis and that they'll come in through FDC. So FDC is going to be the North American liaison for Data Canis. Groups would work directly with us and then we would... Um, we would be the ones who would work with Data Canis. Um, I would love to start bringing groups together and to provide them with benefits for which they would pay, and that that you know that's how how things should work, right? Um, but as that is, as we are moving towards that, um, we're not yet sustainable in that way. And I would love to see us become a a place that people who donate to animal welfare think of as a place where their donations should go, you know, in addition to the more traditional um, animal welfare donation sources. Because um, we need, we we definitely need your help. Right. And animal welfare and shelters are well represented on your board as well. So I They think are for sure. Yeah. As I mentioned, um, two of our board members um, very much hail from that part of of dogdom, um, all board, all of our board members are very sympathetic with the animal welfare part of dogdom. So to, to accomplish all of this, what kind of infrastructure do you need to have in place? Right. <laughs> so we're looking at really wanting things to be large scale. So, I mean, I would like I would like Data Canis to, I mean, Data Canis, again, not exactly part of FTC, but closely allied with FTC. I would like to see that as um, as a flourishing company that has tens or hundreds of thousands of dogs entered into the database that is serving different registries. Um, I would like to see a variety of breeding cooperatives uh, larger and smaller scale scattered around the world, um, providing, you know, local and, and hands-on support to breeders, um, you know, building that community to help breeders come together. And I think that is going to take 
ideally that would take having paid staff to help provide the 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 support the paperwork um as you say the infrastructure to make all of that happen i would love to see us having uh, a big conference every year possibly smaller get-togethers more often conferences are not money makers i will be looking for sponsors for sure to help that happen so that we can keep the cost as low as possible for attendees but that's not a money maker um it's it's a it's a education disseminator and a community builder um i would love to have a paid staff keeping the social media feeds going i think the social media feeds are going to be so important in helping to push out new ideas about breeding dogs and normalizing some of the the concepts that are not normal right not normalized right now but really should be um having a paid staff to do that so that i can trust that i can walk away and have knee surgeries and not worry about keeping an eye on things um you know again these volunteers are fantastic but they are not paid to do this and they have full-time jobs and other commitments and you know i i can't just hand something off to a volunteer in the same way that i can hand something off to someone who's paid god i'd love to have a paid staff honestly to moderate the the facebook community that is um that is a big job our moderators work hard and i would love to be able to compensate them and to additionally pull in um you know there's you can hire people to professionally moderate and i'd love to to do more of that and just have more of a moderator presence making sure that things don't slip through or that reported comments aren't left undealt with for a day or two while the volunteers all have their lives going on so what have i missed jing boy um did, did we talk about issues that you've had finding funding or have you had a good you know, good results looking for funding. Yeah. So I, I felt, I have felt that finding funding from a, a large funder is, I mean, I'm still pursuing it for sure, but it's not something that I'm, um, that is my, that is my big hope at the time. I am, so I'm very much hoping that I can sort of grassroots ask for individuals to help. Um, we have the, we have the Patreon account. So anyone who would be interested in a recurring monthly, um, donation going through Patreon would be the way to do that, and I'll I'll explain how to get to that in a minute. Uh, that's linked to the podcast, but it really helps the it, it goes into the FDC account. Not you know the podcast is not really a separate thing, um, and the people who are doing that currently, they're keeping the podcast going. Like they're paying for the podcast. The podcast is it's not it's not any longer the most expensive thing that we do, but it does have its monthly costs and. The current Patreon sub subscribers are are managing that, and and that's also a great way to engage with the podcast to have you know additional questions. You know, I let I let people know ahead of time I'm going to be interviewing this person, and they can give me questions to ask them. They get um they get the the episodes early, and um, but mostly they're just it's incredible to have that support. Um, and then you know direct donations are so helpful we we had some of those at the end of the year last year and they made a massive difference again in my ability to to pay data canis development but um we don't have enough for me to do all the things that i really want to do okay so we talked a little bit about volunteers are you still looking for more volunteers always always um 
Yeah, I we can also put the link up to the volunteer application form. Um, I think all of these are linked from, so if you go to functionalbreeding.org, um, and then in the menu, there's the support link, and that'll take you to a page um, where you can find all of this stuff. But yes, we always want volunteers. I'll put a link to the volunteer application in the show notes as well. That is, you know, a lot of people sort of say, oh, but I don't, I don't have anything that's really, that's really useful for volunteering. Um, but it doesn't, you don't have to have a particular skill. You have to have a, a passion and an interest in helping the organization and, you know, wanting to come join in with the other volunteers, see where there's stuff that needs done and, and pitching in. There's lots of little jobs, um, and I'm always, I basically anyone that I bring in, I have a conversation with first to sort of say like, what are you, what are you interested in? What are you good at? And I try to guide you to what the, what the jobs are. And I try to always put someone into the volunteer group with a, with a job plan for them. Um, and as I said, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of stuff to do. The social media feeds are an obvious place where someone can just come help at, at any level of sort of figuring out. You know, here's an here's an idea that we could talk about, or fleshing out the idea, or if you have an artistic bent, helping come up with the design for the actual post. Um, certainly, people who are have academic chops to summarize articles are always needed. Um, yeah, I've I've worked with a lot of volunteer organizations over the last. 30 something years and I've talked to a lot of people that don't think they're they're really qualified to volunteer and I, I just want to add that whether you realize it or not everybody who wants to feel volunteer has a superpower um, and your superpower is probably very much needed even if you don't think it is or even if you don't think you know a lot about dog breeding or animal welfare but you just care about it your passion is a superpower in and of itself so if this is something you believe in, I'd love to encourage you to talk to Jessica. Yeah, well said. Thank you. And I think that's everything that I've got that I want to talk about. Is there anything that we forgot to talk about that you have? I don't think so. I think that was that was quite a bit. It's um it's overwhelming sometimes to take a step back and look at the whole thing. But look at look at how much the the FDC has done already in just a couple of months. Yeah, I I remember, so it went from a small Facebook group and I still remember, it was a couple of years ago, but I still remember the first time that someone said to me like, oh yeah, I, I got much better breeding dogs for this litter um, because of your Facebook group. And otherwise I just had so much trouble finding good breeding prospects, but now I have, you know, plenty of people to talk to um, and, you know, and I just have so much more of a community to source from. And that was... That was one of the best pieces of feedback. This was one of the best payments I've ever gotten. It was amazing to hear that. Fantastic. And I think that's a great place to end this on. So I'd love to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It was really fun and very informative. Thanks for having me, Jay. Okay. Have a great one. You too. Bye. So I had some Patreon questions for this episode. Questions, uh, normally the questions would be for the person who was being interviewed, but I was the one being interviewed for this episode. So we had uh, several questions, two people each had multiple questions. So here we go. First was Nissa. Uh, her first question was, how does the Functional Dog Collaborative or FDC now compare to what you expected when you started? 
So yeah, it started in March 2020 as a Facebook group. And at the time, I was hoping it would be a good place for breeders who are doing some sort of out of the box stuff to connect and provide each other with support. I'd been seeing a bunch of different groups that I thought were doing some really interesting stuff and they didn't seem to be finding each other. And so I was hoping it would be a place for people to find each other. So it was very breeder centric and I was really surprised um, then as now what percentage of the people on the group and uh, I have fewer statistics about people who listen to the podcast, but I imagine it's the same, how few of them are actually breeding dogs. A lot of them want to or sort of thinking about doing it at some point, but I think a lot are just really interested in dog breeding and um, that was a surprise to me. Uh, and this is next question. If you could wave a magic wand and make one myth about dog breeding true, what would it be? So I I honestly wish that it were possible to breed out highly prevalent diseases without outcrossing. So, I mean, I'm talking about diseases where more than half of the breed dies of that particular disease. Um, so you could think of multiple breeds and diseases like heart disease and specific cancers. So I, I actually totally get why people are resistant to outcrossing, breeding away from type, even temporarily. It's hard to swallow when you've been working on type for so long. Uh, I just honestly don't think there's another way in these breeds in which the the diseases are so prevalent. And I, I wish they were. It would be easier on everyone, and it would definitely be easier on the dogs in question. Nissa then asks, are there any topics that you want to cover on the podcast, but you're having trouble finding the right guest or research for? Uh, yeah, brachycephaly. I, I have some ideas. I sort of want to do this series on it. We've already had a really great interview about it with Dr. Allison Skipper. What I would really love to find is a breeder who's working with a flat-faced breed, is concerned about their welfare and open to outcrossing as a way to manage it, and who is interested in talking about their experiences, either um, what they if they've done some outcrosses, what they found, or if they've wanted to do outcrosses but have found it difficult to, to manage that. Just what those experiences have been. And I haven't found anyone who's comfortable going public and talking about those experiences, which I 100% don't blame them for, but it is an important viewpoint that I would love to cover. And then Nissa's last question is, what do you see as the biggest obstacles in accomplishing FDC's vision or mission? And honestly, I think I think it's, it's clear that there are a lot of people who are out there who are on board with our vision. And what we need is more resources uh, for us to start organizing and growing in a real way and, and vastly increase the services that we offer. And to do that, we need people actually working full-time for salaries. So I'm working on that, but it's slow going. We're sort of not your standard startup nonprofit, and that makes it hard to find the exact path. We have a few questions from Izzy, who asks, what obstacles or challenges have you faced so far? Um, having enough hands to get everything done. I'm an idea, idea generator. I'm constantly spewing ideas and then it's very hard for me to let them go and say, I don't have the resources for this. Um, we've, I have some awesome volunteers. FTC has some awesome volunteers, but they have their lives, right? Um, that is the, the essence of being a volunteer is that people are doing it in their free time and, um, it's not the highest priority for them, nor should it be. So, and sometimes the amount of stuff that's on my plate is really overwhelming and it's it's just hard to find someone that I can hand it off to who's able to manage it or it's hard to take a step back and prioritize and get some stuff done that, you know, is maybe not the most exciting thing like downloading and checking the most recent um, recording of the podcast, making sure there aren't problems, uploading it, um, that kind of stuff is sometimes hard for me to find time for. Izzy then asked, how did you overcome these obstacles or challenges? <laughs> and I, 
at first I thought, well, I don't, I don't think I have overcome them. But then I realized that actually um, FTC has some awesome collaborations with people who are equally passionate uh, about some things that I thought I was going to have to do myself. And so the first one would be, I thought I was going to have to find volunteers to build this whole complex breeder curriculum. And I found G. Khalsa and Midwifery, which just like we collaborated and said this will be FTC's core curriculum. And all of a sudden there's all this excellent content just there. So that was a fantastic, huge leg up and, and we're working together to to add more to it. Um, I don't feel comfortable talking in too much detail about the most recent collaboration yet, but it's one that I'm super excited about. I've been looking for a long time for the right data platform um, and I have found it. And so we're working on that as as some of you know and it's not something that we're really going public with quite yet but very very soon and uh so that again it's fantastic to find someone else who was who was working on that and super passionate about it and then finally izzy asks is there anything that you would change about the ftc's current trajectory and if so how do you hope to change it and that's just again i would love to be doing this as my full-time job and have things go faster and get more done it's very typical jessica like go 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 um and I had been hoping that I would find like a, a foundation who would be interested in giving us a donation to get us off the ground, um, have done a bunch of work on that. I will tell you guys that asking for money is not my strong suit. I hate doing it. I'm not good at it. Um, but and, and talking of finding the time to do things, it, it always gets pushed down to the, the bottom of the um, of the to do list because I dislike it. But it's important. Um, have had trouble because we just we don't sort of fit into the typical niches. And I was having trouble finding a group that was interested in supporting us. And so I'm sort of now looking at this more slow and steady approach of like, well, how can we start building up services that are things that are worthwhile that people would pay for such that we can start building sustainability, um, having some income so that uh, you know, gosh, eventually maybe I could do this full time and maybe there could be staff. Um, and so sort of taking small steps in that direction. All right. Um, great questions, you two. Thank you so much. Hey, friends. Some of you have asked how to support the podcast, so we've set up a Patreon page for it. For a small monthly pledge, you help us pay for producing this podcast. And in exchange, you get a chance to suggest questions for podcast guests and you get early access to podcast episodes. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash functional breeding. You could also help promote the podcast through subscribing to it through the podcast app of your choice and by leaving favorable reviews. If you're interested in supporting the Functional Dog Collaborative more generally or finding ways to get involved, go to the functionalbreeding.org website and click the support link. Thanks to everyone who has helped out. We could not do this without you. Thanks so much for listening. The Functional Breeding Podcast is a product of the Functional Dog Collaborative and was produced by Attila Martin. Come join us at the Functional Breeding Facebook group to talk about this episode or about responsible breeding practices in general. To learn more about the FDC, check out the functionalbreeding.org website. Enjoy your dogs. Enjoy your dogs.